Dodger fans. How are we feeling today? You're stepping into the dugout of the Dodger Dogs podcast. I'm Christian Cruz, your host. I'll be diving into Dodger baseball news, game recaps, stats, and much more from fans per- from a fan's perspective. So grab yourself a dog, peanuts, sunflowers, or Cracker Jack, and let's take a trip around the diamond. On today's episode, I'm going to talk about my Mount Rushmore of Dodgers and go into some recent Dodger news. So determining the greatest Dodgers of all time is subjective and um, can very depend on personal opinions. However, I'm going to mention several players who are widely regarded as some of the greatest in the history of the LA Dodgers franchise. In no particular order, this is just my Mount Rushmore, but let me know what you think on Twitter at the Dodger Dogs or Instagram at the Dodger Dogs podcast. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe so you get the latest uh, episode from your favorite podcast platform. Let's slide into the to the, into today's show. All right, so first and foremost, um, like again, it's not really in any general order, but Sandy Koufax is widely considered one of the greatest pitchers in baseball history. Koufax dominated during the 1960s. He won three Cy Young Awards and was a two-time uh, World Series MVP, which is huge. Um, but he's got to be at the top of the list of pretty much any any uh, pitcher's list. But he was a Dodger too as well. He's still uh, with us. He um, actually talks to... Uh, Clayton Kershaw quite often, um, so he, he's probably up there. So I have him at number one. Um, number two, Jackie Robinson, second baseman, a true trailblazer. Robinson broke the color barrier in baseball in 1947. He was not only a Hall of Fame player, but also an icon for his impact on the sport and society. Uh, even today, we honor him every um, April 15th, uh, where all major league teams um, have rec- uh, retired his number 42. Uh, but we all wear that number uh, on Jackie Robinson Day. Um, the third one is, you know, Vince Scully. He's a broadcaster, um, but anybody who's a baseball fan, doesn't matter where you're from. If you're a Padre fan, San Francisco Giant fan, New York Yankee fan, I mean, Vince Scully is, has been, was around for, for decades, and he is one of the old school kind of broadcasters. Um, and so for anybody, he, he'd be on any list. So Vince Scully... While not a player, Scully's legendary career as, as a Dodgers broadcaster spanned over six decades. His storytelling and connections with fans make him an iconic figure in baseball history. Um, he wasn't just a, a broadcaster just for the for the Dodgers. He did broadcast for uh, various uh, World Series, so you you hear his voice no matter what happened uh, throughout the throughout the years. Unfortunately, uh, he's not with us anymore. But it was such an honor to be able to listen to him day in and day out. Uh, call ball games and some of the most historic uh, uh, moments in Dodger baseball history. He was the one that called them, so he's got to be on the list for sure. Um, the next one is Duke Snyder. Uh, he's an outfit. He was an outfielder known as the Duke of Flatbush. Uh, Snyder was a key member of the Dodgers during their first year in Brooklyn. Um, he was an eight-time All-Star and hit uh, over 400 home runs in his career. Um, and during that time, uh, I mean. This is still early on in terms of like uh, baseball history for the LA Dodgers. Uh, this is when they were still in Brooklyn, uh, but he still tops the list. I think uh, if you listen to any kind of broadcast or you know anything about the Dodgers themselves, you go back and you hear the name Duke Snyder still quite often. Um, the, the fifth one for me is Don Drysdale, Hall of Fame pitcher. Drysdale played his, played his entire career with the Dodgers. He was known for his durability and won the Cy Young Award in 1962. Uh, the next one, number six for me, is Ron Roy Campanella, three-time MVP. Campanella was a dominant catcher in the 50s. Um, his career was unfortunately cut short due to a car accident, but he left an indelible mark on the franchise. Uh, you, you saw him around even even though he was in a wheelchair. I mean, he is still talked about. So I think Roy Campanella is uh, is probably one of the one of the names that has to be in any list. 
doesn't always see you don't always see it there, but I, for me, he's got to be on any list. Uh, number seven is uh, a personal one for me. It is uh, a person that I grew up uh, watching and listening to my dad talk about, especially as a Latino uh, growing up in Los Angeles. Uh, it's Fernando Valenzuela. Uh, he, Fernando Mania was one of the big, big things that happened in the early 80s. Uh, you see, like, Manny Wood back in the early 2000s, the mid-2000s, um, you know, some things like that. Kind of all started from from this. So I think Fernando Mendia just was L.A. in the 80s. And Valenzuela became an international sensation. He won the Cy Young Award in his rookie season in 1991 uh, and in the World Series as well. Uh, he also won the World Series in 1991. You can still hear him on the Dodgers Spanish broadcast. So definitely, if you ever get a chance and want to hear his voice, legendary voice, I would definitely go out there and, uh, and check that out. Uh, number eight is someone who uh, we really hoped is going to continue to be a Dodger and will retire a Dodger is Clayton Kershaw. As of my last known uh, update, in, you know, Kershaw is considered one of the greatest pitchers of, of his generation. He has multiple Cy Young awards and has been a cornerstone for the Dodgers um, over the last decade plus or more, really. Um, he is actually currently MLB's highest ranked ERA leader at 2.47. Um, only person uh, next to him or really that's kind of really close to him is um, DeGrom. So, I mean, he really is the pitcher of his generation. There's no doubt about it. He is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Someone I enjoyed um, watching uh, whenever I went to the Dodger games and I was there when he broke the strikeout record for the Dodgers. So amazing talent, someone that I don't think we're going to really appreciate until uh, he's he's done with the with the game and has retired and has is up to bigger, better, better things. Uh, but he put he's had he held uh, the Dodgers together for many years, even um, through some tough times. So uh, Clayton Kershaw is definitely up there. Uh, for me, number nine, Mike Piazza. This is a tough one because he is regarded as one of the greatest hitting catchers in baseball history. Period. Uh, his uh, rookie year probably had the best hitting uh, uh, numbers as a catcher. So Piazza had a significant impact during his time with the Dodgers in the nineties. Unfortunately. For, for various reasons, he did not uh, stay a Dodger. He went to the Mets, made some, say, made some significant impacts there. Um, but, you know, sad to see him have not, not have been a Dodger, a lifelong Dodger. But, again, I think Mike Piazza, whether he finished through with the Dodgers or not, uh, needs to be mentioned. Um, the tenth one is Steve Garvey, who's actually been in the news recently uh, for, for other reasons. Um, a 10-time All-Star, a National League MVP. Garvey was a key figure for the Dodgers during the 1970s. Uh, he was kind of a uh, that kind of player that he you saw him uh, come up and play and hit and he was he always backed up whatever he said but he was clean cut as well and I think a lot of people just really like that about him um, through his years uh, so he's number ten for for sure um, I do want to mention one uh, other player I didn't make the top ten list but certainly an honorable mention for me is Johnny Padres played a, he played a crucial role in the 1955 World Series earning most valuable player. Uh, MVP uh, honors for his outstanding performance. Uh, the 1955 World Series uh, was a historic one for the Brooklyn Dodgers at the time as they faced the New York Yankees. The Dodgers won the series in seven games, marking their very first ever championship. Uh, Johnny Padres started the game started game three of the series for the Dodgers on October the 1st, 1955 at Yankee Stadium. The Dodgers were trailing in the series two to nothing at that point, which is a significant amount uh, to have to come back from. Uh, Padres pitch a complete game shutout, leading the Dodgers to an 8-3 victory over the Yankees. His performance um, really turned the momentum of the series in the favor of the Dodgers. Padres' performance in Game 3 was not only significant for the Dodgers eventually uh, winning the championship, but also earned him the World Series MVP award. 
His efforts were crucial in securing the Dodgers' first and only championship while they were still based in Brooklyn. Donnie Padres' name became synonymous with clutch pitching, and he remains a legendary figure in Dodgers' history. I mentioned this in my first episode, but they had played in the World Series seven other times prior to this and had been beaten had been bro- and broken the hearts of many Brooklyn Dodger fans at the time. So this was their eighth go at it in 1955, and they were able to win it before they left Brooklyn. So at least at the very least, they brought a, um, a championship to Brooklyn. So, um, as I kind of mentioned, these players are among other and among others have left an enduring legacy with the Dodgers. Uh, keep in mind that opinions on the greatest uh, can vary, and new players may have made significant contributions, uh, you know, over the last year or so. But in terms of like the Mount Rushmore, I think these are the ten that you really got to look at. Uh, but you could put uh, pick and choose there, to be honest. It really is no wrong answer there. But I encourage you to go go to Twitter, go to Instagram, let me know, see. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the times of Dodgers that you feel are on your Mount Rushmore? I said 10, you know, Mount Rushmore, uh, you know, between, you know, one and five or so. But uh, for me, it's hard to like pick uh, just a few. Uh, so I just went with 10 of them. Um, so anyway, just let me know. Uh, and hopefully uh, I'll be able to touch base on some of those uh, in a later podcast. And if you have some comments or anything like that, I'll definitely uh, answer them on, on, uh, on the podcast itself. Uh, but right now, I just want to uh, scoot on over to see, um, you know, what's going on with Dodger news today. It's February the fifth, uh, so some quite a, actually a lot going on here on this Monday uh, uh, afternoon. It's raining outside, but it's always uh, shining over uh, with the Dodgers. It seems like this whole offseason has been that way, right? It, there is no rain. There's nothing but sunshine here. Uh, but the Dodgers are re-signing actually right-hander right-hander Ryan Razor, um, which was reported by John Heyman of the New York Post. Uh, it's a two-year nine mil, uh, nine mil deal. Um, Rosenthal, the Athletic, uh, kind of uh, I'll provide that information as well. Uh, there's a possibility for Brazier to earn a total of about 13 million, but this has to do with incentives as well. So if he um, does whatever he needs to do to stay um, on the on the field, on the diamond, out there on, on the mound, um, he'll make up to 13 million dollars over those two years, um, which is significant. So Brazier is actually 36 years old, had an up and down year in 2023. He actually started with the Red Sox, but was hammered in his 20 outings with them early on in 2023. He actually had a 7.29 ERA and about 18, almost 19% strikeout rate, uh, which was still below the league average of 22.9%. So the Sox decided to move on, releasing Razor in May. Um, So he made uh, 39 appearances. So after he got released, the Dodgers actually picked him up. Uh, He made 39 appearances for the Dodgers in 2023, and he dropped his ERA to a fantastic 0.70 and his strikeout rate jumped well above average to 26.6 percent um and it just amazing in terms of the turnaround so uh just interesting to see those stats from when he was with boston to when the dodgers picked up they must have found something there uh worked with them um but this just goes to show you why it was pretty critical to get him back on and and signed on because if you're talking about a 0.70 uh, towards the end of the year, and you're just gliding through those uh, 39 starts or 39 appearances. Um, there's an opportunity. I mean, it's a two-year deal, uh, and if he doesn't, you know, live up to expectations in 2024, you know, Dodgers are they got the money to burn at this point. Nine million is is a drop in the bucket compared to what they spent over the off season. So I'm okay with that. Certainly something to watch, but as a cornerstone. Um, for for the franchise in 2024 um for brazier and 268 career appearances in the big leagues if you take it all as a whole rather than just cutting it up between 2023 uh and 2022 or you know between 2023 between boston and and the dodgers um but over 268 career appearances in the big leagues he has about a 3.88 um 
uh, ERA, which is solid and gives the Dodgers a, a good bullpen arm for sure. So if you're looking at, at it that way, at the, at the worst, you expect him to be maybe three and a half ERA, which is still uh, reasonable. Definitely work with that. Um, not great, but not not bad either. This probably means that Kenley Jensen, who, uh, as many of you know, um, is is probably not likely going to have a reunion with the Dodgers. Uh, the key, the Dodgers there might, I mean, they might surprise you, to be honest. I don't know. I, it really depends on the price tag. Uh, if Boston is willing to take on some of that contract, you know, total cost, things like that. But for now, we're in the luxury tax. Uh, but, hey, you never know. If we get a Kenley Jensen along with Brazier, uh, it's going to be very interesting in terms of the bullpen. It's going to be a top-end bullpen, I, I think, with those uh, two names. But I really highly doubt that Kenley Jensen will be a, a Dodger. Uh, but hopefully by the end of this week, we'll know. Um, so Dodgers uh, actually traded uh, uh, left-hander Caleb Ferguson to the New York Yankees which means that um, Alex Vesia is the only other left-handed bullpen arm uh, that has MLB experience uh, from this last year. As, this is as of uh, February the 5th. Uh, so, so far, the, the bullpen has um, Evan Phillips, uh, Bruce Otter-Gatterall, Alex Vesia, Gus Farlin, Joe Kelly, Michael Grove, Blake Trinan, Daniel Hudson, uh, JP Fireisen, and Ryan Yarbo. So, with with the experience in terms of the left-handed pitching, um, Alex Vesia is the one from last year that has the, the the most experience. But there's really actually three pitchers, right? It's actually it's actually Alex Vesia that's a left-hander, Matt Gage, which we received uh, via the Yankee trade, and Ryan Yarborough uh, being only the only left-handers. Uh, Yarborough didn't have uh, experience, so uh, that's just something to consider in terms of like the dynamics in the bullpen. Uh, we actually have Blake Trinan as well. Uh, I just mentioned him. Uh, but Blake Trinan and um, Fire Eisen both missed 2023 with season-ending uh, uh, shoulder surgery. Uh, so those are two huge uh, question marks. So we'll see how it goes with them. Uh, but in terms of Hudson's uh, season-ending um, uh, uh, surgery, I guess it wasn't even a, a surgery really as far as I know. It, it might have been, but either way, uh, Daniel Hudson um, ended his season last year in June with a knee injury. So there were some injury issues there, uh, but you know, with with the bullpen the way it is, it, it seems like it could be a significant bullpen, one of the better bullpens if things goes the Dodgers' way. Ivan Phillips is probably the key to that. Um, as long as we keep him flexible, I think he'll be great. Rosado Gradal has has been lights out. Um, but the other one that I'm looking at is actually Alex Vesia. He was great uh, in some instances and wasn't in others. So. I think we have a pretty solid uh, outing by Alex Vesia throughout 2023 and someone we could rely on throughout the course of the year. I think we're going to be looking pretty good. The biggest question mark for me right now is Blake Trinan, who was significant um, in past years, was dominant, was able to push that ball out there. But again, he's recovering for surgery. So we're hoping that maybe he, he makes a, a full recovery and he's able to make some significant impacts there. Uh, well, with that uh, said, the uh, Dodgers uh, pitching pro uh, prospect uh, kind of on the sadder side of it. Uh, Nick Frasso is expected to miss the 2024 season uh, after undergoing shoulder, shoulder surgery in November to repair a torn labrum, uh, according to J.P. Hornstra of the LA Sports Report. Uh, they actually just released this news during uh, Dodger Fest um, uh, a couple days ago. Was it yesterday, actually? Uh, so Frasso's recovery timeline ranges from anywhere between 8 to 12 months. Basically, he's out for 2024. He is not going to be here. He's a young arm. He wasn't really part of the of the main group in terms of the big league team, but could offer some significant impacts. Um, uh, the Lock on Dodgers podcast had a good take on this on his potential uh, use and the possibility that he could be um, helpful in the pen uh, this year. 
Uh, he's considered a starting pitcher, but I think um, they made a very good point in that they could have seen him do some some pitching uh, at the big leagues uh, in the bullpen, maybe a possibility to expand his role there with the Dodgers. Uh, but that's not going to be in the case in 2024, unfortunately. But I will say, go check out the Locked On Dodgers podcast. Both those guys do a really good job. They're on every single night, which is crazy. I could barely do this once a week, uh, but I would definitely check it out. I did want to go over a couple of key dates just for all the Dodger fans. So just so you're aware, uh, February 13th through the 18th, which is just a few days away, the pitchers and catchers report to spring training. On March 20th to 21st is opening day for the Dodgers and the Padres beginning the regular season with two games in Seoul, South Korea. Both those games are going to be at about 3 o'clock in the morning. I believe ESPN is going to be um, streaming those. So uh, it's very, very early year start to both the, for both the Padres and the Dodgers as well. Oh, sorry, the Dodgers, uh, the Dodgers and the Padres. Never want to put the Padres ahead of the Dodgers. <laughs> um, March 28th is the official opening day for all teams. So there's a kind of a, uh, about a week gap there between when the Dodgers play versus the rest of the league. Um, so the Dodgers welcome the Cardinals to Dodger Stadium for a four-game series. That will. Uh, so it's going to be kind of a, a, a tricky couple of weeks for the Dodgers in the sense of um, when they start the season. But in between all that, we're going to have spring training. We're going to see a lot of the young talent. Who's going to be potential uh, call-ups, maybe even possibility of seeing some guys that we normally wouldn't get to see and maybe do some uh, pretty good work out there. So looking forward to just checking that out. But obviously, this has been a great offseason. Now we got to put it all together. Hopefully, the boys in blue are able to do that this year. Um, for now, that'll be it for today. But I plan on releasing episodes on Sundays moving forward and maybe if time permits um, a little bit more than that. Uh, as things break, uh, I'll probably try and chime in. But things are probably going to change by the time this episode gets uh, released on Sunday. And if it does, I'll try and do, uh, do my best to just do a quick little snippet, a little uh, extra podcast there this week. Um, now that the season is around the corner, I'm uh, going to shift to more hot takes and news. But I will also continue my what cracks my bat take and much more. Uh, I don't have one this week in terms of what cracks my bat. Just so much good going on. So I'm not going to really bother too much with it this week. I know there was some uh, uh, things about what Mookie Betts said uh, during the um, Dodgers Fest, but I'm not going to hit it. I think you know there's nothing wrong with what he said. It, it is what it is at that point. Uh, but again, thanks for listening. And until next time, bleed blue, stay blue. Have a good day.